The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Don Bethanelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this classic movie. And joining me today on the panel are Mac Barron. Hi, Mac. Hello. And Shelly Kelly. Hi, Shelly. Good evening. So before we get started, I want to remind everyone to like The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on Facebook, to retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN. Uh, subscribe to the show if you've not yet subscribed in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube where you should hit the bell to get notifications and above all, please share this uh, podcast with your friends, help us grow this community, the larger the community gets the better the podcast is, I guarantee it, so if you could uh, and you may have uh, enjoyed a few weeks ago our episode of Secrets of Movies and TV shows Coffee and Cinema where Father Chip Hines and I went to see uh, Captain Marvel. We came out, went to a coffee shop, and talked about it. Next time, uh, it may be beer in cinema, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, if you enjoyed that, let me know. Send send me an email to uh, to secrets at sqpn dot com. Let me know how you liked it. Whether that's something you want to hear again, uh, we would appreciate your feedback. So here we go again. We're we're bringing the band back together. We're talking about another Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Uh, is this the last one we'll talk about? We'll have to discuss it. <laughs> but we... it's, the, it's the last one that was ever made. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's the one I like to believe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apart from this weird like one-off scene where the, he emerges from a fridge, I don't, can't think of anything else that's worth talking about <laughs> after this. Uh, although they're apparently making a, another Indiana Jones and the Geritol Crusade, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. ancient wheelchair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think the internet has expanded fan fiction a little yes. much. Yes, yes. I, I mean, hey, if 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 Harrison Ford's willing to give it a go, uh, I'll probably shell out the money to, to to take a look at it. But we're talking about this one, which is, uh, you know, let's say it's the it for me, it's the best of the of all of the Indiana Jones movies. It's wow, yeah. wow. I say <laughs> strong words, my friend. Have you seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, I just I want know. to check with you again. I, I know, but Sean Connery and Harrison Ford on screen at the same time. So much fun. Uh, I'm not going to argue. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it, right. it brings all the elements that we like of the first one back together. And when yes. we get into it, there are a few things I don't like about this one, but I, gosh, the, it, it's a good tie for best one. This one, Raiders. Sala was back. We had uh, Brody. We had, uh, the 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 christian themes uh nazis nazis though as the bad guys i mean you know as we talked about the the the, the temple of doom it was okay uh but it it wasn't quite the level of these other two and i think a lot of those factors were part of it so let's let's get into it so this is indiana jones and the last crusade and the 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 holy grail the macguffin of this is literally the holy grail uh so we should probably talk a little bit about what the grail is before we get into it and uh the grail is the cup of christ it is the it is the the cup according to legend the cup that christ had at the last supper it was the cup of the 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 first 
chalice for mass at the first mass, uh, which held the blood of Christ that he shared with the apostles present in the upper room before the crucifixion. And uh, it was said that it was preserved and kept by Joseph of Arimathea, the uh, the one of the um, uh, was he a Sadducee, a Pharisee? Uh, uh, now my brain has lost, but he was one of the leaders of the Jewish community at the can time. You get, but, can you get Jimmy Akins on the phone real quick, Don? I, I know. I feel I feel so inadequate <laughs> compared to Jimmy on this. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Miller, help. Uh, so it was uh, it was a cup that that Joseph Arimathea preserved after the Last Supper, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, along with other things from that time. And it entered into a legend. It's been lost, they think, except that it is believed, like we, we have this legend that the, the grail is out there, except that the Cathedral of Valencia, Spain, says that it has the grail. It has the cup of Christ from the Last like Supper. for real? For real. real. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that, in fact, popes have gone to visit it. Uh, pope, let's see, what was the last one? I have a note here somewhere that Pope, Benedict and Pope John Paul both went to, I think that's where it was. Um, I'm going to have to find my note later on, but uh, more than one Pope has gone to Valencia and seen it there. So, but they, they, they had, they never actually said, this is the cup of Christ. They just, you know, went and prayed and because they can't give an official papal imprimatur on, on the thing like that without being absolutely certain. Um, but the but the cathedral there claims it as. Uh, but there's a story, the Arthurian ledger, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, who had been given this quest to find the Holy Grail. And uh, that was a, a huge part of uh, the medieval legends. And so that forms sort of the, the foundation for this story, along with the stories of the Crusades. Now, um, I, I want to recommend, folks, that you don't believe Hollywood movies what they say about the crusades they, they are universally bad um i would recommend two books for you if you want to uh to learn about the crusades anything well two books uh, an author anything about on the crusades by jonathan riley smith or a newer book that i recently recently read called the glory of the crusades by steve weidenkopf which takes a much more nuanced view about what actually happened doesn't paper over the bad things but it dispels a lot of the myth and that sort of stuff well this particular hollywood film doesn't really take a stance as to sort of the good or bad of the crusades either way right. they just say they existed yes and that's about it and they you know they use it as a clever play on words yes it's and it's a little refreshing to that they didn't they didn't want to get into it because it was sort of ancillary to the actual point of the right. of the story uh so uh, the movie came out in 1989 um, it was originally supposed to be about a haunted castle, <laughs> which would have been terrible. I think I don't know if you would agree. Uh, but, but the they produ- brought the castle in it, right? Right. Now, the, now, from the beginning, they wanted Sean Connery to play Indy's dad, uh, even though he's only twelve years older than Harrison Ford. Which, <laughs> uh, and so Indy was partially based on James Bond, so they had to get. James Bond to be his dad. You know, well, you know, it's funny. I, I think I saw the same sort of YouTube documentary behind the scenes stuff. And, and what yep. what I quickly realized is something that that you're leaving out there, Dom, and that Spielberg says is that Lucas wanted to do the Haunted Castle thing. Uh-huh. And Lucas wanted to do the Grail. 
And Spielberg says, well, wouldn't it be so much more interesting if we brought in a father figure to help tell the story of where Indiana came from? Right. And you add father-son dynamics. And that in itself, the son's quest to understand the father is a quest for the Holy Grail. It's, you know, the, it's in the same way that sort of Moby Dick, you know, the quest for, to, to, to get the white whale is sort of every man's, every man's quest that they're on, except in a healthy way (laughs) in Moby Dick. But, (laughs) and I thought when I saw that, I thought, you know what? That just goes to show you. I mean, that's the difference between Lucas as a storyteller Mm -hmm. and Spielberg as a storyteller. One is one is captivated by the imagery of something, and the other is captivated by the meaning of something. Right. And bring them together, and you've yeah. got these great stories. That's true. You know, in some ways, I mean, Lucas was, many of his films were about a son and a father, and it, which I don't know much about Lucas's biography, so I should probably find out. But there's something about him in this Search for a father figure. I mean, obviously, Lucas? Star Wars. Star Wars is a a, well, a, sto- yeah, yeah, a story yeah, about yeah. a father and a son uh, from the beginning, even. Um, so it's it's very interesting. And Spielberg has been a little more wide ranging, but he's from from my senses, he's been exploring just the idea of in many of his films, not all of them, obviously, childhood and mm-hmm. the meaning of childhood. Uh, so you get a little bit blending of you know a father son family dynamic between the two of them. And I think it comes out in this movie in many ways. Uh, so the cast, I mentioned Harrison Ford, Sean Connery. We get uh, Brody comes back, uh, Denim Elliott. We have John Reese davies as Sala. It's a great cast. Uh, we have River Phoenix as young Indy, uh, who uh, the tra- his life tragically cut short, but uh, uh, but did a pretty good job. It was a little interesting casting choice. I, I would never have thought of him as looking like a young Harrison Ford, but they, they made it work. Um, and then we, so we start the movie in 1912. They don't tell us that right off the bat. We're kind of left to wonder. And we're, we're looking at a big rock. Now, my wife and I had this dispute. I don't know if you both, you can help me, but I say it's Arches National Monument. And my wife says it's Monument Valley. Now, I just because there are buttes there, I I think there are buttes in Arches National Park, and whatever everything I could find online says this is Arches National Park. So, if anybody out there can say definitively one way or the other, um, like she said, well maybe they filmed it in both places, but I really I I looked it up and there was they said one but not the other. So, yeah, I I just assumed it was um, it was Monument Valley. Yeah, that's because so many movies have been right. filmed there classically, and so it. it Gives it that retro feel. Uh, so he's a Boy Scout. Indy is. Uh, he's back when Boy Scouts were really cool, and they rode horses into the into the backwoods <laughs> uh, and did it did it fought with uh, grave robbers. Um, there's always the big fat kid in the in the group that falls <laughs> off the horse and it does all you know the community things. And I'm I'm gonna try to bring a couple of things together about that 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 fat kid. Uh, if <laughs> If now's the right time, I don't know if you wanted <laughs> sure. to give a more synopsis first, but no, no, go ahead. The, the look of that fat kid, and I want to use this as a jumping off point for the look of the whole movie. But that fat kid, and and the scene especially that I'm thinking about is when he comes in blowing that bugle in Indy's house <laughs> right at the end of the chase scene. The way he's lit and colored 
He's got these rosy cheeks and he's glistening with sweat. He looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah. I mean, straight out of a Norman Rockwell painting with the sort of ridiculous caricature of a fat, blonde, blue-eyed, Aryan, you know, American kid. Um, And that leads me to a bigger point about how the entire movie is, the, the movie has a coloring to it that they don't do anymore. And I wonder if they did at the time, like I don't. In 89. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, this right in my sort of coming of age wheelhouse of being 13. And I don't remember other movies of the day having that same coloring. And I don't really know how to describe it, except it makes it look like an old movie. And between, between the coloring and between some of the way, like the shot where Indy and his dad on the blimp are sitting there having their conversation about growing up. The way that is filmed with the camera really close to both of them from below makes them look enormous. And everything in the background is sort of that gray white on that blimp. It's just, it's a strange coloring and it, it's beautiful and it makes it feel older than it is. I think uh, you're, you're onto something because it, the, the outdoor shots they look a lot like old, uh, like John Wayne movies, the old westerns, uh, or uh, even um, Robin Hood, Errol Flynn's Robin Hood. A lot of those films, the way they were sh- shot in Technicolor, you know that that mm-hmm. when it was the color process was still new, and it yeah, it has a lot of similarities. Not exactly, of course, but a lot of the similarities. Uh, that that shot on the blimp, it reminds me a lot of something you might see out of a Bogart movie. That uh, that that shot from a little slightly below. Makes the actors seem bigger, larger than life. Uh, yeah, I think Spielberg was very intentionally framing in the shots that way. I think it was, and they were intentionally going for a color, a coloring uh, of this. I like the idea that it's a Norman Rockwell sort of esque uh, imagery in that beginning, especially with the kids and the scouts. I mean, they look like the scouts right out of the Rockwell paintings. You know, the yeah, those yeah, scouts. Yeah. So. Yeah, that there's something to that. I I did enjoy in this opening sequence how that that slight misdirection of the that you think that the guy in the fedora is Indy at first. Like when when I remember when I first saw this movie, you think you know the guy in the hat, you know, with the with the leather jacket stealing the crucifix from you know Coronado from this grave is Indy, and this kid is stealing from Indy, and and you get this whole turnaround, and of course, then when you see the guy's face, you realize it isn't him. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun, this opening sequence, because he takes the, the crucifix from the guy, because even from a young age, apparently Indy is indignant about grave robbery, although <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how he justifies it later for what he actually does, but... Um, well, he's taking everything back. Apparently, he believes everything belongs in a museum. <laughs> right, right, exactly. He's not stealing well, it from himself. Look how he was raised. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And we're going there. <laughs> yes. But uh, through this sequence, we have, uh, you know, him you know, ends up on a circus train, uh, which that part is shot in uh, actually in Colorado, which, which is interesting the, the, because it's a big open plain area there uh, that it's riding on. But we see how he gets the scar on his chin from the bullwhip. We see how he first uses a bullwhip, um, how he gets his fear of snakes by falling <laughs> into the, the bucket, the, the, the pit, you know, the, the container of snakes. Uh, and I think River Phoenix does a decent job of channeling Harrison Ford's mannerisms uh throughout that in 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 some of the ways he holds himself uh, and then uh, right to the where he runs into the house 
and he's like dad dad and you only see this profile of uh of yeah of of uh, of professor jones holding up his finger uh, and you know and then tells him to count to 10 in was it in greek i think it was yeah. he says <laughs> <clears throat> so uh it's interesting. And most importantly, most importantly, you're talking about how he gets his scar, how he gets his fear of snakes, all that good stuff. Most importantly, it's how he gets his hat. <laughs> yes, he gets it from this guy, the uh, the guy who eventually who gets one up on him. You know, right. he, the guy who wins against them. And who- it's it it's his anti father. I mean, that man represents everything that his father is not. His father is this bookish guy that's got no time for him at all and he sees this guy in a leather jacket and a fedora out in the wild you know kicking ass and taking names basically having an adventure uh, he wants to be him you know listen that this opening sequence you think about it that is some really really efficient narrative because you get so much of you you want to open the movie with something epic well there's monument valley you want to tell the backstory of a kid learning to adventure? You got it. You you get the hat in there. You got the father. You got the anti-father. It's pretty brilliant. Well, even and- I will even let pass River Phoenix's totally like pre-90s haircut that no, <laughs> no kid from that era would have had. But go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say also when you when he goes into the house and you can and it's been a while since I've seen it, but you can instantly, it's got all these wonderful pieces of art and, mm-hmm. and you get a real sense of, of that. And, the, and you know, what's missing his what's mother, a, there's no feminine right. touch mm-hmm. in here. So, Oh, in I the don't yard. Know. Did you notice the yard when he runs up to the house? Mm-hmm. It's totally unkempt. The grass hasn't right. been cut. All the flowers are dead. Yeah, you're right. Now I'm not sure at what point, I don't remember if, if it's mentioned at what point he's lost his mother. But if if this is how he's been raised with his father, always in libraries, always in museums, valuing history, valuing academic information and the study of the past, combine that with what you've said now about this anti-father hero mm-hmm. adventurer that, that has sparked this in him, um, it, it really does give you more depth to the whole Indiana Jones character. Right. So we find out later they have a confrontation at the uh, at the crossroads at the, at the later part of the movie where Indy says, you know, we find out that his mom had died and that it was his father's obsession with the Grail quest that made her keep her illness from him. Um, and that's the I think that's the when the father slaps when uh, Henry slaps uh, Indiana uh, at that point. Um, trying to think. Yeah, I think that's when he does it, it, that that scene. And yeah, the, it's 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 the Indy ends up being a combination of his dad, the academic, mm-hmm. and the anti father guy, the fedora, combined, uh, you know, in his life. And it's it's kind of a fascinating idea how this in, one encounter put him on a path that made him a lot like his dad. I mean, he's he's obsessed with with his quests. Uh, Indy, Indy obviously doesn't have. Uh, anybody really in his life long term? I mean, I don't know where Marion went, but uh, uh, she's she's not in the picture here. Uh, we I think we find out in Crystal Skull that that they broke up after uh, after ra- the events of Raiders. Uh, but so you know he's 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 obsessed, and, and this this whole sequence is is not just extra. It's it it helps us understand 
everything that comes after. It helps us understand the relationship between these two men and how it's going to get healed in their combined quest. Uh, and it's interesting also that Indy gets this taste of crooked justice in the in the other room while his dad is not involved in this. You know, the sheriff shows up, the man in the Panama hat, the man in the fedora, and the, the sheriff takes the Panama hat guy's uh, side. Obviously, you know, the, the, the sheriff is somehow corrupt or just influenced by this guy, doesn't believe Indy, and, and, and his dad is not a part of this. And, that, and I think that is also a, a fundamental shaping of Indy uh, in this. So we go from this uh, origin scene to the coast of Portugal, 1938, uh, aboard a freighter in a, in a bad storm, of course, where Indy is confronting the guy in the Panama hat, which sounds a lot like the guy in the yellow hat and, uh, <laughs> and, and a monkey. <laughs> but no, it's the guy in the Panama hat and he recovers the cross. Um, and we find out that this is two years after the events of Ra's Raiders. So we're, you know, we're still at the very beginning of World War II before America's entry into the war. Um, and the, the little Easter egg, the ship that as it goes down was named the Coronado uh, after the, the cross. Um, so we follow Indy back to the, the university. It's a very similar set of circumstances, very similar scene. Um, where he's in his classroom and Brody comes and and uh, sees the the uh, the cross and all that sort of thing. Uh, although they have this addition where uh, the addition to the to the the indie story, which is it's not just that the the students are ad the, uh, adoring him. So you, now you get this additional part where he's going back to his office, and now you see. How truly bad a teacher who's never there, who's always <laughs> traveling around the world, is! All these students waiting for office yeah. hours, uh, besieging yeah. him. Uh, and his office isn't really an office; it's just <laughs> it's just part of a, a storage closet, basically. <laughs> I know. I think this is a boiler room, even. Yeah. <laughs> that, he, that he's trying to bridge two worlds, you know. That he's become a professor, like a you know, like, like an academician, like his father, and yet he's not. He, he's a popular one. But he's not always there, and he dreads it. He clearly dreads all the all the paperwork and the the humdrum boringness of it. He wants to be out in the in the field. Right, exactly. It, there's an interesting moment when he's lecturing the class where he says, "Archaeology is the search for fact, not truth. That's philosophy." What do you think? <laughs> I mean, is, are we are we laying some groundwork here for later in the movie? Uh, be, because he also says. Archaeology is not the search for lost cities, exotic travel. We do not follow maps to bury treasure, and X never marks X the spot. All of which actually, spot. Yeah, I loved all, that. All of which actually yeah. happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Now the philosophy thing. I think they missed a, a sort of a just a little bit of monologue misstep in that they could have gone with religion or spirituality, and it would have been truer to the story of what's happening. You know, mm -hmm. at the end, he really has to confront sort of doubts of belief, not philosophy. Right, right, exactly. The, the, the search for truth that he and his father engage in at the temple where the grail is, uh, you know, is, right, it's a spiritual truth. It's not just a philosophical truth about who is Jesus Christ and who, what is this cup that belonged to him? That is, that, that isn't a philosophical search or an archaeological search. That is a a search for truth of a spiritual nature, a metaphysical truth in, a, in one sense, I suppose. But um, 
it's uh so I, I find that it, like a little interesting these these breadcrumbs are laying down at the beginning here so we have this uh sequence he bolts out the window uh gets picked up by these um scary looking men who you know take him to meet walter donovan a uh a prototypical 1930s industrialist uh in New York City, who's hosting a cocktail party, but takes time out to talk to <laughs> yeah, Dr. I love Jones. That. I love that. <laughs> yes, takes co- takes time out to have a professor kidnapped and brought <laughs> to his cocktail party. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and it's multitasking. Uh, he happens to have a sandstone inscription of a crusader tablet there, a partial, uh, of course, um, and it refers to the cup that holds the blood of Christ, uh, which is kind of funny because the from a Catholic point of view, all chalices hold the blood of Christ. So that's 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 sort of non-specific, but okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh and uh the the inscription says eternal life for whomever drinks from it. And this is one of the conceits of the movie is anyone who drinks from this the actual grail cup is supposedly going to get the gift of eternal life. But of course uh, apparently if you continue to drink from the cup Right, you and have to still have the cup with you. Yeah, well, and you also have to stay in the temple forever too. Uh, yeah, that that part they left out until the very end. It seems like <laughs> a really sour point on that deal. To me. <laughs> it's really the fine print on that uh, on that deal. Uh, I mean, they, you you would not get a cell signal in that place for nothing. <laughs> I could guarantee you. That's right. Uh, so you know, it's kind of interesting because, of course, from Catholic belief, the cup of Christ does promise eternal life, but not this sort of eternal life, but life in heaven. It's a spiritual uh, or, or uh, beyond this world life, put it that way. Um, so, but for someone who's not a believer, that's how this would read, wouldn't it? You know, that, uh, you know, this promise of eternal life, whether in the Bible or on this inscription, would promise a fountain of youth in this world. Yeah, and it, it is kind of that that thing... <sighs> Superstition is not quite the right word for it, but it's like magical it's thinking. Like boi- magical thinking—that's a better yeah. way. Or, or boiling down um, one set, one world religion down to like making it into algebra, right? In that, if you do this plus this, then you equal. You know, you get this, right? You have this cup that was linked to this spiritual figure, and therefore you will have eternal life. It's, it's ma- like you said, it's magical thinking. It's not right. real Christianity, but ha- yeah. As a kid growing up, like I love, and I brought this up in Raiders. I love the fact that I went to church every Sunday and was a Christian. And Indiana Jones is going after Judeo-Christian artifacts, and there's and God is killing Nazis. <laughs> yes, God's on our side. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing is like you know this this guy who it turns out spoilers is for a thirty year old movie is a this guy who's a Nazi thinks that he's going to drink from the cup of Christ and it's going to give him eternal life. Like because no matter how immoral a life you're leading it's not how it works buddy it's not how it works um so they that when he reveals that it's the grail that they're going after you know the indy gets really excited because in some ways the grail is the holy grail of archaeology which is obviously a tautology but the idea is you know the we 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 talk about the holy grail because we mean the the ultimate something to find and that's sort of you know, they're kind of driving that home here. Um, 
Well, and I don't know, Dom, I, I really don't know that much about the arterial legend mm-hmm. about when the grail was incorporated into that legend. Because, you know, these legends develop over time. Right. And so, like, what came first? The idea of the grail as the ultimate thing or people's ultimate quest eventually being labeled or the object of a quest being labeled the Holy Grail. Yeah, I I remember exactly. There were there was the legend of the cups that that was I think the original uh, story about about important cups of, of various kinds that I think from what I understand got merged together into the Arthurian legend and it became associated with the cup of Christ. I think that's how it was. So it wasn't originally the cup of Christ, but but if, but the legend grew to the point where it was identified with it. So yeah, it became the Holy Grail cup of, of Jesus. Well, eventually. The, Holy, the Holy Grail first appears, I think, back in like the 1100s, isn't it? Right. Uh, an old French poem, if I remember right. And then from yep. that is how, because the Arthurian legends are what, the 1300s, 1400s? Yeah, although so it, there are roots to it even older, though. There are roots like in around 1,000 and 800, 900, I think somewhere around there. I think there are some hmm. very early traces they of may it. Be written, they, they may not be written. They may be just orally passed down. Well, right. and then, I mean, if you want to go even farther than that, I mean, I think you can make a real argument that the grail is sort of a, pardon the term, but sort of the reincarnation of the image of the ark. And yeah. right in between there, you know, you've got Mary. So you've got, you know, the ark holding the, the pieces of the Ten Commandments and, and, and the power of God, right? And then you've got mm-hmm. Mary holding Christ. The, she's the new ark. You know, and then you've got the Holy Grail, which is the, you know, holding the blood of Christ. So right. it's, it, there's a through line there. Right. I mean, it's, there's actually um, early church fathers who, because the, the unborn body of Christ held his blood in that sense, that Mary was conceived he was 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 seen as a chalice and a ciborium in one uh, that, that's sort of that imagery uh which would make that connection that, like you said a through line uh including mary uh so there was always this idea of the cup of christ um from the beginning and like i said they they had preserved it or there was loose legends of preservation and they had something they they, they thought to be it so you know, it's always been out there, but when it merged with the Arthurian legends, that was that's the thing that's a little more in uh, uh, indistinct, at least for me. Maybe uh, a listener or academics out there know more than that. Um, but they tell this story here of the three knights on the first crusade, these three brothers, uh, one who stayed behind, one who related the tale to a Franciscan friar who who mentions the tablet, and the third has the marker, the other marker buried with him in Venice. Which, you know, Has anybody uh, this, fact-checked any of that story? I, I think this was created for the movie. I'm pretty sure ah, that, that this was just for the movie. I know. It, maybe there's still some old <laughs> old geezer <laughs> in a hidden city somewhere in the desert waiting. You know what's, what's funny? Narratively, this is exactly the same scene as Jones and Brody meeting with the government men in the auditorium from Raiders yes. of the Lost Ark. Yes. Yeah, except this time he's like, you've got the wrong Jones. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, and the that's first when he, one, he was very excited to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Right, and in fact, Indy probably has a visceral reaction against the Grail because it's the sure. thing that his da- that took his dad away from him uh, throughout his 
his his youth is growing up uh so th- there's that interesting you see he's a little excited by it but then he pulls back and says you've got the wrong jones uh and that's when donovan you know should with what he should have led with was your dad's missing i need your help to find him but instead <laughs> he leads with you know uh hey you want to help me find the holy grail uh, he's got a flair for the dramatic donovan a, does a, yeah. a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so uh we have this um Oh, I did want to mention, I have a note here, that when we have an interesting framing of the shot, when Donovan tells Indy about his dad being missing, Spielberg doesn't show Indy's face. We just see his hands. And and I'm curious about that. Is it because he doesn't want us to see how Indy's emotional reaction at that point, that he's holding it back? How does Indy feel about his dad being missing? How does he feel about his, what are his, feelings toward his father uh i thought it was i thought it was a very interesting choice of framing that shot donovan's in the background indy's in the foreground and all we see are his hands it's it's kind of a classic like we talked about before a classic shot uh you know from old Mm -hmm. movies but still I, i thought it was an interesting choice so indy goes to his dad's house to see what he can see he finds out that the house has been ransacked um it's also interesting that there are a lot of Religious images. Jones, you know, Henry Jones Sr. is a is a man of faith. Um, you know, in the beginning where he was making that yeah, sketch. He's saying a prayer as he's right. sketching. Yeah. yeah. And and we see uh, uh, artwork of religious art in the house. So I found that I find that very interesting that he's a man of 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 faith in this. Uh, and Brody is, too. Brody says the search for the cup of Christ is the search for the divine in all of us. It's it's a bit airy fairy. <laughs> it's a little bit uh, a little uh, uh, um, what's the word? The uh, pantheistic a bit, uh, but there's still a a religious sensibility in it. I guess as best as the screenwriters can can give us here. Yeah, yeah, You know, it's it's really hard to. <sighs> <laughs> you what? just at a certain point, you just have to give it a pass. Yes, because in order for them to take a hard line on Christianity, even, you know, in 89, I guess they they probably would have. I don't know if they thought that the audience just couldn't swallow that. Right. But they can if they just have Brody stare off into the distance and that sprinkle the music in a little bit as he talks (laughs) about the divine in all of us. Right. Go. Yeah, this is really important. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a big stretch, though, that that Indiana Jones is a man of faith, given his history of his background as being and how he was raised. And then this movie takes place after the Ark. Yeah, you'd think he should know a little. You'd think he should still have a little remembering of what happened when that Ark was opened. Now, right, and now, now, keep in mind before I say this, I love Indiana Jones. This is a mm-hmm. formative character and set of movies from my childhood. Okay. However, as a grown man and a man of faith that is trying to do his best to get his, as his primary vocation, his spouse and his children into heaven. All right. Indiana Jones sees religious systems as algebraic equations. Right. I mean, if you look at at Temple, right? I mean, he knows the customs. He knows the magic words to make the rocks burn through the bag. You know what I mean? Right. It's not that he... he can't you can't believe in Christ and believe in the 
whatever Ganesh, you know, or whatever God he was praying to at the end of Temple right. of Doom. And so it's again, it's magical thinking, it's superstition. Right. It's true. He he's You're saying it's more academic than than faith. Yes, it's more academic, but with a healthy respect for the mystical. Like he knows there's something there. He doesn't necessarily believe in it, but he understands the mechanisms enough to function within the system. Right. Right. Like, frankly, like a lot of academics, you know, those who study history, they understand. Unitarianism. Unitarianism. You can say that by the end of the movie, this is his own personal faith journey, because not only is he reunited with his father in a relationship, he has to have faith mm-hmm. to be able to pass all three tests and, and actually achieve the goal. And when he does it, it's not for glory for himself. I'm sorry, Dom, I'm going right to the end. No, it's fine. not for glory for himself, though. It's it's to save his father's life. It's not to save his own. Right. It, it, it's, it's for his father and it's him sacrificing even to the point where he, the, the you know, the, the leap of faith from the lion's head, the lion, mouth of the lion, lion's head, whatever it is. He's not doing it again. He's risking his own life. He he could fall to his death and he puts his hand over his heart and he takes that breath and he just takes the step. And of course, we know what right. happens. Hey, listen, I, I, I'll give you one more. Not only do you have all that going on in the selflessness, the sacrifice of the moment, but you also those tests are a progression of faith. Yep. And right. and because they start out as algebra. I keep going back. I don't know why that stuck in my head. They start <laughs> going. They They start out as problem solving. And they get more and more faithful until you absolutely have to put your faith in this cup, in this higher divine power. Because, like, you know, the first one, penitent man, he he figures that out. Penitent man, you just got to bow. It's just a mechanism. Right. Right. And the second one falls back on true academic knowledge. You got to not know God. You got to know the name of God. You got to know how it's written in the language of the time. That's not Mm -hmm. faith. Right. Right. Even the leap of faith is not faith. The leap of faith is simply figuring out the how to exploit the puzzle at the time. It's a video game. Uh, (laughs) These guys constructed this in such a way as to be. It doesn't matter if he had believed in God or not. If he had stuck his toe out there, he still. I hear what you're saying. You're saying that that's it's a leap of faith in that there's something there that he can't see. Not necessarily a belief in faith in God. Well, now here, here we come to the problem. Like, like but when what I'm you saying, get to the end, when he's got to pick up that cup and, and take oh, that drink of water, faith. that's absolute. Yeah, yeah. And you could even you could make the argument that the leap of faith in the lion's head really was a leap of faith. I mean, he didn't he w- he wasn't thinking about the construction of the bridge at the time. He was thinking about his dad and is, they're screaming out and going, and, God, yeah. but I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. It turns out it you know you didn't have to have faith, but he did. <laughs> so that's great, right? Um, uh, see, Sorry, I, always, I sidetracked you. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just thinking you. Know, the penitent, the penitent man shall pass. For the longest time afterwards, I'd go into the confessional, kneel down, and roll. Uh, the priest would be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> so we go from. Wow, uh, wait, wait, wait. You know, time. I got one more thing there. Yeah. On the penitent man, one as a thirteen-year-old uh, free will Baptist, I didn't know what the word penitent meant. I never even heard of the Holy Grail before I came in this building yep. into the theater. <laughs> uh, but I saw something a few years ago. And it was total clickbait. It was like at YouTube. It was like, you won't believe how dark this message really was in the last crusade. And it was all about that particular trap because Christians, Christians bow, but they don't put their head to the ground. Right. Yeah. So what religion does that? So it's supposed to like Islam, right? Islam. Islam. Now, that's what this video said. I am not confirming or denying that. 
I mean, you think about Christians a thousand years ago, they were probably a little more penitent than Christians now. Right. <laughs> yes, these, these weren't guys coming out of, you know, the Archdiocese of New York. These were, these were you know, <laughs> me- medievals. It was who- odd that there were the two blades, though, the one that went across the top. If it was just penitent, you're right, it would have been able to just kneel and, and walk through. But then there was that other one that kind of came up from the ground, which didn't mm. make sense to me. So. Well, if you if you knelt all the way down and you put your head down to the ground, that blade would have got you. Right. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, that blade like, would have got you. Yeah, if you were a so. if you were a Muslim. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. So if you're right, 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 right. I see what you're saying. I think that may be maybe stretching what Spielberg intended here. I do too. I don't think Jennifer, Spielberg would have would have thought through that and think, ah, we're gonna get the Muslims. <laughs> it wasn't like that. He was just thinking, hey, let's make it really cool. Let's make him have to do a, a somersault and, and then <laughs> yeah. not worry about how they got these this this whole mechanism to work in whatever for, century for it was that this was created <laughs> what are, are, are we gonna are we gonna go through like step by step the entire movie or can we go ahead and start talking about things that like we liked and disliked let's, or what do you what do you want to do here i i have so many notes that we could probably spend two hours going through the step by step let's just skip all that <laughs> and talk about the things the things that you particularly liked from the movie liked oh all, liked. The, all the oh all the relationship definitely oh between uh indiana and his father i you know watching it again I mean, yes, obviously, the relationship between the the dad that that grounds this movie that gives this movie a beating heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the what Sean Connery is willing to do in this movie to be silly and off kilter, right? I absolutely loved. I loved it when I saw it when I was thirteen. I loved it when I most recently watched it a few days ago. I just thought he's he's so silly and he's so fun and like. Sean Connery, you think of being like full of himself, but and uh, I don't, then I watched part of that little documentary on YouTube, and apparently he came up with a lot of that. Like Lucas and Spielberg wanted him to be more stodgy and buttoned up, and he came up with these eccentricities and kind of had to fight for them. They wanted him to be more, I think, uh, wasn't it Sir Lawrence Olivier and a very Akatamu, and he wanted to be more right. of a Richard Burton or or some sort of character, right? But he ad libbed, and they left it in. In multiple scenes, but the one that strikes out to me is when oh, he yeah. says she talks in her sleep, and I'm like, "What? Whoa! <laughs> oh my gosh! That was just yes. like ew." That she was talks in her sleep. That was a uh, you can do it, yeah. So uh, yeah, Harrison Ford does a double take there, which is which was not not scripted, which was total because it was ad lib, uh, and they kept that in. I mean, I think like the first time when he did it, and then they they probably re- redid it another take for sure. for the film. But uh, but Connery then has this little grin on his face after he says it. I don't know if you, you, you noticed that. <laughs> and it's just so fun. They're both so great because they are understated. They don't they're not they're not, you know, the opposite of Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? They're like yeah. they, they're not this like overdoing everything to make you laugh. It's just these these subtle things that they do. Well, oh, and, it's and like speak- when they're tied together and they're like, Dad, what? Dad, Dad what? Dad, what? Dad, what? <laughs> right. And that's what you mean by understated. It, 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 it doesn't come across campy. It comes across very real because, you know, as a father and son, you know, I'm sure with you with your own children, you know, you're not always in sync. And, right. <laughs> and it's just the way they show that. Son, I- I'm sorry. They got us. <laughs> <laughs> when he shoots the tail off the plane. Yes. So great. Yeah. Or, when he shows uh, Indiana that he still has so much value in his knowledge. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> oh, that great scene where he gets the, the birds to yes. fly. And, Indy, yes. and and that moment, 
is proud of his father. You can Absolutely. see that. He's yeah. got that smirk on his face. They just like can't believe it. Like this <laughs> is my These dad. people are trying to kill us. And man, let me tell you, the scene where Indy goes off the cliff and then Sean Connery says, "Yeah, I never I never told him everything I wanted to tell." Him. I mean, that is that is that is such a cliche, but it is so well used in this movie cuz you totally believe it. And then they, you know, then they play it for laughs when Indy walks up. <laughs> What's looking, looking at? Around and, yeah. <laughs> well, then there was like so another a, a couple more things was when uh, he first they they first see him in the castle Grunwald uh, when Indy comes into the room and his dad bashes him in the head with the vase and then he <laughs> says, uh, "Dad, it was there. It was in Venice." He's like, "I knew it. Oh, I wish I was there." And then he says, "There were rats, Dad." Oh, and he kind of recoils a yeah. bit, and you can know that Indy's kind of like driving it at him a little bit. It's like it's the son giving it to the dad a little bit. What What I loved about that scene is when Indy comes in he gets his head smashed and uh oh, dr jones says junior <laughs> and instead of going what he stands up bolt upright and he says yes sir <laughs> like he's such a such a gut thing like that's how you respond to your father when you left at 18 you know but isn't that also where he looks at the vase and goes it was a fake. I feel terrible. Well, it was okay, Dad. I'll be okay. It's a Ming Dynasty. Oh, it's a fake. <laughs> yes, that was good. Um, and then when the, the Nazis, like, uh, you know, Dr. Jones, yes, and they both reply, uh, hand over the diary. And, and Henry is, is like, my son wouldn't be so stupid as to bring the diary all the way back here after oh, I God. send it to him. <laughs> and yes, he did. Oh, you know, shortly thereafter, a 13 year old Mac learned the difference between an Austrian goodbye and a German goodbye. Oh. <laughs> that just how we that say was good stuff, goodbye. man. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer the I prefer the Austrian way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there was also that other great the the another ad lib was when uh, when Indy gets punched in the face, but, you know, the, the German goodbye and his head goes back and whacks you know, Henry in the head, that actually was also another ad lib that they added in uh, there. Uh, so um, then, well, there's a great scene where he says, um, Brody's got it. He's got a two day head start on oh, you, man, which great. is more than he needs. Brody's and got the friends. Camera, and the camera is <laughs> slowly zooming in as Indy's going on <laughs> yeah. and on about what an amazing mind yeah. Brody is. He's got friends in every town and village from here to the Sudan. He speaks a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. With any luck, he's got the grail already. And then you see him like wandering around, just bumbling through the train yard. Yes, <laughs> does anybody speak English? Anybody at all? Ancient Greek and even ancient Greek. <laughs> yeah. And the play between him and Sala is so great. So great. Yes, run. Yes. Run. Yeah, run. Yes. What, what, what's that? What's that? Run. <laughs> but go, actually, going back to that scene, Dom, did you know there's a scene in season three of The Good Place that is crafted to repeat that scene? And I, I can't think of right now what it is, but it's one character who is talking about the other character, like who's not on screen. Oh, yes. And about how good. Oh, it's it's um, they're it's talking Michael. to Sean. They're yes. talking to Sean about Michael. Right? right. And that Michael is uh, by now so and so and so and so. And then Michael comes to the door going, hey, everybody, you'll never <laughs> believe I drank piss or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I did notice that at the time. Yes. It's such a and in fact, I mean, this there's so many of these elements that that live on in other things because we recognize them. It's such a great little trope that that they do here. Um, 
So every old castle has a secret fireplace. That's just a given. Um, <laughs> if I ever build a castle, I'm putting in a secret <laughs> fireplace that has to be. Um, so they have the motorcycle chase, which was a late addition to the movie, by the way. They felt like there was uh, a little bit of down, a uh, lot of energy at this part of the movie. So they added that in, which was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so we get two of those sorts of chases where we only had the uh, the truck chase and Raiders. So they added this and the tank chase, which was just awesome. I just loved Man, seeing that tank. Yes. this. Uh, speaking of things I like, is this movie totally gives you all the action you want. From the train at the beginning to um, the ship, the the business on on the deck of the Coronado to um, to the the catacombs, you know, on fire, and then there's a boat chase. You know, uh, are you crazy? Don't go between them. Go between them. Are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> yes. And <laughs> and um, and in the midst of that, one man looking another man in the eye, saying. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to die. How's right. your soul? You yes. Know, gut punch right in the middle of some action there. Right. And then, and then you've got this motorcycle chase and you've got the tank chase. This has got to be one of my favorite action sequences that I have ever seen. Right. Because it's, it's nothing like I had never seen before. And I don't think I've seen anything like it. Basically you got a guy on a horse fighting a world war one era tank. Yes. With a bunch of other guys running around shooting at him. And the tank can shoot out, the, the, although the turret doesn't turn, it has multiple turrets on it. And so he, he sticks a rock in one and it blows up. And and then he ends up hanging from one of them. And that's actually Harrison Ford hanging from it as they're they're going along the edge of that cliff. And when they filmed it, they had guys uh, up above grips with shovels, shoveling dirt down on Harrison Ford <laughs> as it goes along. So he's he had to be cleaning dirt out of you know places for weeks after well, that. What's uh, great is there's something magical that happens in a really good action scene that's based around something big like that. And that thing becomes a character all its own. And that right. tank is a character in that scene. Yes. And you go in and out of it and in and out of it. And you see three different gunners and it's just, it's just wonderful. And then there's the business, there's the play on top of the tracks, um, you know, where yes. people, people end up getting on the tracks and Indy's got to grab his dad by the leg and you see his dad being <laughs> jostled, you know, yes. it's just great stuff, man. I loved it. Loved, love that. That may be my one of, oh gosh, it's hard to tell. But that's I think that's my favorite action <laughs> sequence that and I'll give you one more thing about action in this movie. One, th there's an idiotic bit when the plane goes through the tunnel. I hated that when I was oh, little. Yes. I still hate it now. <laughs> but there's one sound effect that stands out above all others. And that is when Indy throws that pole into the spokes of the motorcycle beside him, <laughs> that sounds like a jet engine explodes. You go back and yes. listen to it. It's unreal. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, you know, uh, I have to say, by the way, related to the tank, there's a, there's the, the best dad joke of all in this movie is, so you have Donovan is with the Sultan of this local area. The one who, who he says, um, uh, you shall have camels and horses and armed escort and tanks. And Donovan says, you're welcome in response. And my kids, when, when they see that, I do tanks, you're welcome. I get them to say tanks all the time. Uh, I'm always maneuvering them into saying the word tanks. And, and it's at the point now where I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, but but man, when I saw that, I remembered how great that, that, that joke is. I just love that, that dad joke in there. Because the Sultan 
didn't want any of the, the chest of jewels. Didn't want anything. He wanted the Rolls Royce. He wanted the car, which I I, I love that part. It was I the car they drove the up color. in. Yes. Yeah, that's why I, I didn't remember if, if if it. It didn't stand out to me the first few times I saw that movie that it was their car. It was yes. the Nazi car that they had driven up in. So they came with all these things prepared. But he's like he he and he knew his cars too. He oh yes. came in and blah all the. Mm-hmm. All the stuff they are, so he knew all the all the details on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brody has a great line during the when, when he's in the t- uh, just before they get into the tank when they're driving through the desert. Uh, I think it's Donovan offers him a canteen, you know, a water, uh, Marcus, and he says, "So, uh, so British, so very composed. I'd rather spit in your face, but I'll take it." And he goes to take it, <laughs> and the the Nazi takes it from him. Just, I love that. I love that that phlegmatic way he says it. Um, well, and there's one more thing in those tank scenes, and that's the relationship between Brody and Henry Jones <laughs> yes. Sr. When they finally yeah. meet up, it's great, isn't it? What is yeah. it? The the genius of the oh yeah, where's that restoration? Something something recitation. I can't remember yeah, the it's, line now. So, resuscitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something genius like of the recitation of the restoration aid our own resuscitation. There it, it is. It's yes. supposed to be some kind of like university club, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. greeting or some, you know, weird thing that you guys get, do. <laughs> you get the idea that they they're in the same society from some school at some mm-hmm. point in time. Right, but right. But you don't know exactly how. Uh, clearly, he doesn't know him as well, because because later he says uh, something about Brody to Jones and, and Deanna's like, got lost in his own museum, huh? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, well, it reminds me a lot of It's a Wonderful Life when you have, you know, uh, 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 Jimmy Stewart's, you know, he does the hee-haw and flaps his arm and pulls the ear thing that they do in that. It, it's it's an old like club toast or, you know, uh, secret greeting that they do. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Elsa and just how she stands out as, as the, uh, from the beginning, she's the, the uh, femme fatale. She's. We're supposed to think of her as like a Marian figure, a little bit of misdirection from the beginning where she becomes a love interest for Indy. And then it turns out she's she's really the bad guy. I I, I did find it kind of funny, like eye rolling funny when he when Indy first meets her. They do this little exchange. You have your father's eyes and my mother's ears, but the rest belongs to you. Looks like the best parts are spoken for, and just so on. And and you can see Brody rolling his eyes in the background, which is now, all of us. I actually love that exchange. That exchange yep. to me is super cute. Yeah, and my mother's ears, but the rest belong to you. <laughs> However, the net next bit of banter that comes, I never, never have I ever thought that sounded true. So the business about the flower, if you'll permit me, yes. But I'm already sad because by tomorrow it'll be dead. But by then, uh, blah 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 blah. It's just so <laughs> steal you just, another one. Yeah, yeah, just shut up and move. let's let's just I, get I, on with the with the uh, bricklaying here. Is, is it wrong that I've never really thought they needed to have a, a femme fatale in every movie? That there has to be a girl that that is a potential love interest, or that there is a love scene with, and it. it She's young. She's German. She, it just she it, is it the feels closest. Forced. Yes, and the, this is the closest I think it ever comes to a Bond girl, right? Because oh, you know, maybe that's why because of Sean Connery and the whole Bond girl thing. Maybe, maybe so. I mean, they they know each other for about twenty four hours before they're in bed together, right? <laughs> Which is classic right. Bond stuff. Now, I will say that the the one thing the characters got going for it that makes it a little bit dynamic is her. She has a really troubled relationship with 
this idea, what she's doing and what she's after. You can tell, I mean, they, they, they really go out of their way to show that she's not a real Nazi at heart, you know? Right. She's crying at the book burning. She doesn't give Indy away. She doesn't really, her heart's not with the Nazis. She's an archaeologist. Right. Again, that's about the only positive thing I can say about this character and, like, her position in women of cinema. And it's interesting how, in the end, you know, she dies because she can't let go of the cup, you know, to save her life. That that the greed... Yeah, right. Uh, and then, and then Indy almost like as he loses her, he does almost the same mm-hmm. thing. But it's his father who saves him. His father calls him back. His father, <laughs> who is the one who who is the one obsessed with the cup of anybody, he should be the one down there uh, diving for it. But he has perspective. Right, that, you know, and that lack. gets back to the beating heart of the movie is the relationship between the father and the son, and yep. that is a story that is older than we remember that has so much truth in it that all of us relate to that. It's a universal story deep, deep, deep in the human soul. Now (laughs) things become shorthand in households like tanks. You're welcome. Right. Right. Anytime one of us thinks that the other one has kind like won't let something go. We will literally say to the other one, Indiana, Indiana. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that yes, that is a that that is a good one. The, 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 I was thinking of there's a couple other moments. Um, the when when Indy and and Henry escape the castle and they're at the they're literally at the crossroads. Do they go to the Venice to follow Brody or do they go to Berlin to get the book? And and Indy sees no value in the book anymore it's got to get brody got to get the cup but for henry the the quest for the grail is not just about the cup it's about the, the what you learn along the way what you've acquired along the way the 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 journey in a sense uh he's he's more of a true historian than indy is indy's all about getting the thing and pulling it out of the ground and taking it to a museum uh in in that sense uh, so and it and it's he says the quest for the grail is not archaeology it's a race against evil uh, and as he says this, I don't know if you notice this in the film, there's a roadside shrine. There's, there are roadside shrines throughout you know, Germany uh, in, in reality. But in this shot, there's a roadside shrine right behind him with with a crucifix, which I just thought was a it could not be accidental that that no, was I there. I've never noticed that. How about yeah. that? Yeah, it's it's it, and it's it's very interesting, this idea that you know it is a for, for they're not just looking for a cup to put on a shelf in a museum exhibit. It's they're they're in a in a race against evil, uh, and I thought that was f- uh, fascinating that they put it there. Um, now that that's another little piece, that little bit in the movie. There's it's a little piece that I never understood. How I would love to know what the discussion was when they wrote that and shot it, because they used that opportunity there for the son to question the father. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need the diary. Marcus has the map. He's like, it's not. It's more than the map. You don't understand. It's got all these these. Um, things to help us get through the the final traps, the the devices of lethal cunning, right? And he, and you're right. He says that the quest for the Grail isn't archaeology; it's a race against evil. If it's captured by the Nazis, the armies of darkness will march all over the face of the earth. Do you understand me? And I'm thinking, well, of course he understands you. He's seen what happens when the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> is in the wrong hands. Right. He's he's one of two survivors of of this 
you know, Old Testament God wrath leashed out on the world. <laughs> yeah. And but but for him, he, he he's not even thinking of his own experiences. He's he's a child again. And he's saying, right. you know, dad, it's an obsession that we've never understood. Right. He's working out his own stuff. He's no right. longer talking about the current adventure. He's talking about emotional baggage is what his indie's doing right right the only time he ever really mentions the coven and i think he is it when they're in the catacombs and she's like what's this one yeah it's like the ark of the covenant and she's and, like are you sure and he's like oh yeah hey, pretty you, sure you get a little bit of the music there john williams puts in the music from raiders well also in this very same scene at the crossroads indy takes the lord's name in vain he gets so frustrated with his dad that he he, he blasphemes and henry slaps him he gives him one right across the face he says that's for taking the lord's name in vain and, That's and for it, blasphemy. Exactly. Right. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. And, and it, it's like, I mean, just indie. I think it's a, it's a, it's a wake up call to indie that look, this is not about just going to get the cup. This is remember, like in, in a way, he, he is made to remember in this scene what you know what the arc was about and what this is really about. And uh, I, I find that. Interesting that this scene was of also a late addition to the movie. This was the one of they filmed this actually in the hills uh, above Skywalker Ranch, uh, interestingly, uh, in, in California. But uh, it, so it's it's kind of interesting that they they wanted to add this in almost like a punctuation to the movie. Uh, you know, this well, you know, to make sure we got it. It it must be. This is why art uh, writers get paid is because they're good at what they do. They're able to write something that is garbage. <laughs> that everybody you put john williams behind it and everybody goes oh yeah and you know the camera zooms <laughs> in right it's a race against time um the if the nazis get their hands on the grail the armies of darkness will march over the earth yes yes god incarnate who loves humanity will allow this magic cup <laughs> to let the Nazis take over the world. Well, right. That's you what you're like saying? That. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but we all love it. I mean, we all love what he says. And we're all like, yeah, yeah. Because because we want good to triumph. We want them to defeat the darkness. We get we get all emotional and, and worked up behind it. And But yeah. even even Satan thinks he can win against God. He thought he won at, at on Good Friday. He thought that tr that he evil had triumphed. I mean, even Satan, who is a angelic being, is dumb enough to believe his own propaganda. <laughs> you know, he thought he could tempt Jesus Christ to follow him and renounce the, his father. Uh, are you dumb? Like this is he is God himself. Of course, of course, he's not going to to give in to the temptation. Uh, but I think the movie helps us to kind of to see these truths in another way. You know, uh, of course, God can't lose, and of course. That God would never allow the grail to be used to let evil triumph. Uh, but, you know, it, it, there's a I think there's a, a, a greater truth they're going at here, a, a larger truth that it's, it's trying to illustrate to us. Uh, maybe or maybe it's just a really fun popcorn movie and I'm overdoing it. But <laughs> I think there's I think there's more there. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first movie, it's a really fun movie. We, we we talked about that. We had a great time with it and and you know about the, the how it goes back to the, its origins. But this movie as they try to keep it lighthearted, but the more we talk about it and the more I think about it, it's like like you said, Matt, it's that father-son relationship story. And that's what what just gives it its like I'm sorry, you said it, the heartbeat of the story because 
as we're as we're talking about it, and I keep picturing these scenes. We remember the quotes, we remember the laughter, we remember the campiness and the the action sequences. But it really, truly is is that father son coming full circle, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a love we all want with our own parents. It's a love we all want with our own children. Let's jump back to the to that climactic scene in the temple where the where which is a real place. Petra is a real place in in the country of Jordan. You can go there today and see the the exterior. The interior was on a soundstage, obviously, but the exterior is a real place. And so they go in and these poor Turkish soldiers have been each one being sent forth to try to get past the first test and failing. Um, I love it when Donovan says, we need another volunteer. (laughs) 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 Like, like, why would you even? Uh, Never mind. So so they uh, they they send Indian after shooting. Henry to to motivate Indy to to get in there and get the cup, and uh, we have the three trials: the breath of God, the uh, the word of God, or the or the name of God, and the, the path of God. God. The, the these three trials. So it's it's like the interestingly. So the almost like the Trinity. You know, the Spirit is the the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Jesus Christ is the word of God, and the path of God or the way of God is uh, you know is, is to the father himself uh, 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 might be a stretch but uh but there's a there's a, a, a some, he gets by these and we talked about that already and he gets into this room and there's this 700 year old knight in prayer uh praying uh, and he gets up and speaks to them in remarkably modern english apparently he's got a radio in there or something uh, and he he uses that line that we all know he says you must choose but choose wisely as the true grail will bring you life. The false grail will take it from you. And then after Donovan takes the drinks from the wrong cup, he chose poorly, which, he chose is, poorly. <laughs> which is the best line. It's like, it's, I, I, that's another one of the lines I use all the time. Uh, all right, so when Donovan disintegrates, yes. Is, is this on par with the face melting? And I mean, I know it's it's the same. Oh, yeah. It's trying to be, but I'm saying, is it? Does they do they pull off something as cool as the face melting off in Raiders? The face melting off was more traumatic. I was a little older when I saw this, but still, uh, the I, I thought the face melting was was really uh, gr- gruesome, even yeah. compared to this. Yeah, I think I think the Donovan disintegration has a camp to it. Yeah. Like a like a like a throwback to old old Hollywood style special effects, right? That that is is it's kid friendly in a way. Yeah. Oh, that the my, face melting was not. My husband still won't let our seven year old see that particular scene. We we when we watch this movie, oh. he's always like, "Cover your eyes." <laughs> well, uh, I wouldn't let mine either. Son, he'll, he'll I mean, cover like his eyes and, and, and he'll be screaming, and then and yeah. like, is it over yet? Yes, you yeah. can uncover. Okay. <laughs> and he yeah. asked me like, "What?" happening and i said well his and i described it for him and he's like oh okay <laughs> no big deal but I, like you you can see it when you're older <laughs> yeah mike I, I i make my kids uh not look during the during the, the scene in uh, raiders either it's just yeah a little a little much uh, for for them Ugh. when i was 12 and saw raiders that was a little much for me too uh but uh yeah it's probably a good idea not to let them watch it unless, unless we don't want it to sleep that night um <laughs> I don't get up with him. My husband does. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh so and Donovan's poor choice was he he made an assumption based on his 
greedy modern values, which is the cup of a king. It would be the most uh, ornate one. Yeah, but remember, he trusted Elsa. Yes. Elsa knew what she was doing. Elsa mm-hmm. looked at Indy and like winked at him and said, <laughs> behind her hand, can you believe how I'm going to fool this guy? And hand <laughs> right. it to Donovan. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Elsa, like, like, she's so cold, like frozen to him. Anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I wonder. She looks a lot like the character. I wonder if this is the connection. So, um, you know, after he chooses poorly and and dies, uh, we have the cup of a carpenter, which is very interesting. Although, would it, you know, at the Passover meal, they probably actually would have had a a much nicer cup for Jesus to use at the the Passover table in the upper room. It was the upper room, right? They never said that they brought the cup. It right. could have been the cup of the household. We don't know who the owner of the household was or do the we? caterer brought it. I don't know. I mean, it could, it, it yes. could have just been whatever was in that house. Right. We are discussing the realistic, pre- the realistic the nature. Room for him. Yes. We're discussing the realistic nature of a cup and right next to a 700 year old knight who speaks perfect <laughs> English. I just want to point that out to everybody. That is true. That is true. That guy's going to be tired. <laughs> Um, well, he so, goes to lift the sword. It just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty good. Uh, so Indy drinks from it first, just which is a, another like we talked about before. That is an act of faith uh, that he drinks from it to to be sure that it will be safe for his father. And, and that kind of explains why Harrison Ford is in such great shape in the Crystal Skull. See, right? It's because how he survives got, the nuclear blast. Yeah, he's got the good Grail juices flowing through him. Exactly. That he's def- well. That's how they're going to make. Number five, he's immortal, right? I think so. So now he uh, passed the seal. <laughs> yes, that's right. The, the Grail cannot pass the Great Seal. It is the boundary and price of immortality, is what the knight says. Um, that's a so, terrible price. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Trapped in that little cave for <laughs> seven hundred years, or a, however long you're willing to be there. Right, right. Uh, and who knows how long you would have been in there if, if they hadn't come. And then. Um, I, I found it very interesting. They had uh, Brody as as Henry is healed uh, from the cup. Brody crosses himself. Uh, so Catholic Brody. Um, Elsa uh, clumsily knocks the grail into the crack when the earthquake happens. Uh, Elsa, dummy. And uh, so she, she gets what's coming for her, uh, you know, for, for that. And uh, it's 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 but it's Indy's dad's ability to let it go that saves him. You know, let it go, boy. Let it go. Um, you had to go there, too. Well, and I did. It, listen, it, it, <laughs> but what's so sweet about that, think how, like, again, efficient and and emotional, emotionally resonant and the play that they do with the names. He's been calling him Junior the entire mm-hmm. movie. Yes. And he finally says Indiana. Right. And you you talk about stories that are, older than language it's being known right and that's what we want from god is we want to be known and that's what we crave from everyone around us is we want people to know us we want to be known and that's the moment where indy is feels known by his father and that overcomes this sudden obsession you know with the grail it's beautiful and the father gives to his son the name that his son wanted for himself, that the father, it's not the name the father gave to the son, his own name, you know, Henry, he gives to his son the name that he chose for himself. He acknowledges him for the man he is, 
by giving by by letting him have that name by giving that name and then of course he undercuts it by saying we named the dog indiana you named yourself after the dog <laughs> uh, which uh, apparently so, george lucas had a dog named indiana when he was a kid so that's where that, nice. that joke comes from so uh, so what happened to the knight you know i always wondered what happened to the knight the grail has fallen down below or beneath or past the seal and the knight just stands there kind of raises a hand and you're you're thinking oh man they couldn't stick around for 10 minutes so that Henry Jones Sr. could have a conversation with him. <laughs> right. I did never left. I'd be like, okay, so tell me about. <laughs> there should have been a post-credit scene where the like the knight is leaning into the crack with the sword trying to get at the cup. This is going to be a Marvel movie now. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. It should be on how it should have ended. Yeah, that's really good, Dom. If Spielberg had come up with the idea of doing those uh, those little during the mid credits at the end of the yes. credit little scenes that would uh -huh. you're right that would have been Th it that would have been a but good he, one he didn't like blow away you know i'm thinking of tang is it tangled where the when the when the hair gets cut off and she's lived all these centuries with with this flower and this magic and she withers into the dust that she would have been you know it's like right. the dorian gray no story. he's gonna he, his he's now, still there. just like indiana after after i'm guessing how this is works with my algebraic equation uh that he's going to live a relatively natural span now that he is no longer consistently consuming from the grail right uh, so yeah I'm, he's, I'm gonna guess he's got the yeah. body so of like a 90 year old and getting older yeah he's gonna have to eat <laughs> right right um probably he's not gonna have the chance to eat probably the building is gonna continue to collapse on top of him <laughs> right right as evidenced by all the smoke and dust coming out of the out of petra I got the sense that maybe he was get yeah that he was g gonna die that his time had come that his his time as guardian it was over and he, he was going to die either in that moment or soon after like my guess was uh, but they undercut the very serious ending of course uh, with a little bit of uh, what could have been a sad ending because they they don't actually get what they went for uh, so it could have been a sad ending but they 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 undercut it with the jokes with Brody. Follow me, and he goes riding off to the canyons on the horse. Well, and to me, that that works so much yes. better than the mm -hmm. end of Raiders. As much as I love Raiders, my favorite right. movie of all time, probably the very end of it is kind of a downer. You yes. know, whereas this, they have that moment of camaraderie at the end. They have the little interplay exchange about the dog. Sala laughs. Brody runs off in the wrong direction. And then you get them all riding off into the sunset. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> there should be a law that says if you have characters <laughs> riding off into the sunset, you will no longer make any movies about <laughs> said characters. <laughs> because you have ended, you, that's the bow, man. You have yes. tied it up. Yes, that's true. Yes, that should have been the end. Um, Darn that greed. <laughs> although I will, I will maintain that if they do uh, some indie origin movie something sort of between the beginning the the, the 1912 and 1936 if they do some of indy's early career uh, i i'd watch those maybe chris oh, pratt it's gotta, it's gotta have the guy from solo that's what i was about to say who would you who would you cast actually now that you say the guy? yeah it would be the guy from solo or i because when i first thought of this i said i was thinking what actors could pull this off they would have the the combination of the action hero but also a bit of the humor and 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 I was thinking Chris Pratt can pull that off. He's got that oh, sort of yeah. action hero with a little yeah. bit of funny. Um, he could uh, not Chris Evans or the other, and none, none of the Pine. other Chris's. What about Chris Pine? <laughs> Chris, Chris Pine. What about Chris got, Hemsworth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. What about Liam Hemsworth? No, never mind. 
<laughs> but uh, but it would be interesting to see. Uh, I I think if they need if they make another one, it needs to be Indiana Jones and the Quest for Excalibur. That's that's my pitch. You, so say you can that have that Hollywood. The librarian, the the movies, the librarian with Noah Wiley. I go right there when you say that, though. Right, oh, yeah, right, probably right. Still, they have probably sought after every possible right Judeo-Christian artifact in that. <laughs> I, I haven't. I've seen like one episode of that. That's yeah. true. I have never. I've never seen it, but I, but I, yeah, I, I guess that probably would be too close. The spear. The 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 spear. The, the spear of Longinus. I know where it spear. is. Yeah. Destinus. Uh, Destinus. <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> that's I've the I've been where Destiny's it is. Child. Yeah, that's yeah, that one's in the in St. Peter's. Um. So okay. So any other uh elements of this movie you want to bring out? Anything uh, we've missed that you particularly want to uh, talk about or address? I have heard. I have peers of mine in college poo pooed these movies because of the the special effects from ILM. Hmm. And to me. I always kind of loved that. I loved that fake cliff that they run off of in Temple. Right. I love the, you know, the CG alligators or whatever, you know, at the bottom of the, I loved the, you know, even the crappy looking blades that come out <laughs> at the first trap, you know, right. you can't possibly be like this. The technology just wasn't there to make those things look real. Um, and even the blimp stuff, any exterior shots in the blimp, you can tell are fake, but it's, it, I, there's just something about the overlay. It's almost, yeah. it's almost magical, you know, and, and it's right. industrial light and magic is the name of the company. And no, it doesn't look absolutely real. There's something about the lines around things that they could not get back then, but I still kind of love it. There's, there's that nostalgic connection that it just, some things, I think things today are almost too perfect. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you look at a Marvel movie and you're like, it's just, it's there. The, you don't see the lines between real and fake is, anymore. And, and I mean, I'm not gonna say I don't enjoy those movies, but there's something about this going back to this, this classic artwork. I mean, it's like seeing the, 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 the flat paintings of, you know, of the mosaics of the, of the dark ages, you know, of the, of, from the year 400. Yeah. They didn't understand perspective then, but it doesn't make it any less beautiful art. Uh, just because it, it's not photorealistic. And I, I agree. I, the same way, there's something about this movie that really captures a nostalgia uh, for me. Uh, speaking of the, the, the Zeppelin, the blimp, I love blimps. And if I were a supervillain, if I hit the lottery for like a billion dollars, <laughs> I will buy, I will build a giant blimp and live underneath it in the gondola and just travel around the world like a supervillain. So just the the addition of the of the Zeppelin in this movie, I loved him the, having that there. Um, a couple of things I noticed in that scene when they were in the Berlin airport, uh, there's a guy reading L'Osservatore Romano in the uh, in the airport, which is the Vatican newspaper. I thought that was an interesting touch. Um, Henry on the on the blimp is reading. Sean Connery is reading the paper upside down. Uh, did, did you ever did you notice? That? No, no, yes. that's funny. Uh, also, a great scene where he throws no the ticket. The, yeah, he throws the Nazi out the window. <laughs> and, and he yells it, it in, doesn't fit. He yells like, it in oh. English. Yes. Like, why does he yell it in English? That's what struck me the last time I saw it. Like, <laughs> why would he, why did they just subtitle it? It would have been just as funny. I right. Think. Exactly. See, now that's a 21st century movie tactic. Yes. Mm. In the old movies. All the Germans should be speaking with British accents in this movie, actually. <laughs> What's funny is moments before them, before that, Indy was speaking German. Right. Right. He was. That's funny. 
Well, where was the uh, where was the Zeppelin going to? So they were taking the Zeppelin. They were getting out of Berlin and taking it to. Uh, they're trying to get to Turkey to Iskenderun, which was probably going up to Istanbul. Uh, but mm-hmm. then it was turning around. But they'd gone pretty far by the time they turned it around because when they uh, when they bailed out in, in that plane, when they landed, they were already in Turkey in that area. Okay. Well, I was wondering because of the uh, the English, I wondered if they were going towards more towards. Europe, if they were going towards Britain, uh, no, to uh, then pick it. up a steamer to go to Turkey, but no, no, they were, yeah, no, they were going uh, toward toward Turkey. I forget if they were going to Istanbul. I think it was a it's the one time he goes somewhere that we don't get the little dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, right, that's a good. <laughs> we point. don't know where it is on the map. It would, yes. have, it would have been an exceedingly slow red line because <laughs> they're in a blimp. Dot. Uh, I got to tell you, when when iMovie first came out and I made my first movie. I so wanted to have that, and they don't. They still don't have that uh, uh, in iMovie. I'm going to complain. I'm going to send my another letter to Apple and ask them to add the thing where you can make the dot go like the line across the map. You can you can no, put they- up a globe, but there is I as far as I can tell, the last time I tried, I tried to find it. There wasn't a thing where you could have the line move across the map. Are you Wouldn't telling me it's there now? Lucas and Spielberg uh, uh, copyrighted that or trademarked it in some way. If we're talking about two different things, but we did that effect for the introduction to the CNMC back in twenty. The one I hosted in San Antonio, two thousand nine. Really, two thousand nine? Yeah, my first yeah. one, two thousand nine. Maybe, maybe when they redid iMovie, they took it out. I'll have to take another look then. Maybe so. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's it's from the classic movies. It's it's one of those things they pulled. From old movies, but because they brought it back, it became so Indiana Jones, you know, yeah, that iconic. Part. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, anything else, uh, uh, Shelley? Do you have anything? Okay. Mm, no, the one thing that that we didn't talk about that I love is the librarian stamping the book. Oh yes, <laughs> oh, that's a good. That's gag. because of yeah. my background in libraries. And <laughs> that is great. So, so. X never marks the spot except when it does. <laughs> yes, that was uh yeah, and yeah, the guy. <laughs> With the stamp. The way he looks. The way he looks at the little Ooh. thing. The yeah. stamp. And then he yeah. sits it up on the counter and just looks at it. Beautiful. <laughs> right. We, right. Didn't, uh, we didn't really even touch the knights. Was it the Brotherhood of the Knights? The the guardians of yeah. the Grail who were going around and they were the ones chasing him in the boat. The Brotherhood the of the, the brotherhood. Cruciform Sword. Right. Yeah, I knew you'd know it. <laughs> They're dedicated. to they, You know, they didn't get, uh, apart from chasing Indy in Venice and Indy killing a couple of their guys and then them becoming friends immediately afterward, which was a little bit odd. Um, and then the, that last scene with the tank where they attacked the tank, which allowed Indy to, 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 you know, that distraction to get in there. There wasn't they I mean, they, they didn't really have a, much of a role here. They they sort of bumbled everything <laughs> pretty much all the way through. If Indy wasn't there, uh, every, they, they would have totally lost the uh, the grail, uh, which I, so I thought it was kind of interesting. But. Uh, there is a moment when Kazim, uh, the, the the one of the Fez guys, uh, as he's dying, they ask him, "Who are you?" And he says, um, uh, w- w- "A messenger from God." And then he says, "For the unrighteous, the cup of life holds everlasting damnation," which is actually from Paul, right? <laughs> That's the uh, 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 Saint Paul says that in. Um, oh, if you take unworthily. Yeah, yes. you receive unworthily. Yeah, right. So uh, it, I just thought it was kind of interesting that it it is actually you know a scriptural reference there. Uh, yeah, what yeah. if that soldier had actually yelled out, "Okay, stop, everybody, stop!" 
This is not going to work. This guy just quoted scripture, and apparently we got the wrong idea about this grill thing. Uh, We better go back. Turn the tank around. So, uh, tanks. You're You're welcome. welcome. (laughs) So, uh, also, why does Indy hate camels? I'm not sure, but. there's there's a backstory between about something about Sala and camels. And I Indy. said no camels. <laughs> but, but camels, I think, are more valuable. So if they destroyed the, his brother-in-law's car, right, he's right. got to re, he's got to reimburse him in some way. And camels are valuable and worthy, so he can bring camels and restore. Indy doesn't want him, I think, because they'll slow him down. Exactly, it does seem like a very non-essential detail. Yeah, but there are for... no camels when they're at Petra, though. So. Right. He he must have let him go, but yep. uh, yeah, Iskenderun and Alexandretta are real places, by the way. So let's uh, let's wrap this up. We've been going for a while here. Um, so I I've, I well I, I appreciate the the discussion, and uh, I think this is going to for the for the short term end our discussion of the three Indiana Jones movies and, as well. It should as well. It should. Uh, well, we may revisit <laughs> no that someday. No giant ants. <laughs> So before we finish, I, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows. Today, we're thanking by name Elaine K, Jess K, Megan F, Patrick W, and Paul B. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows we do at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? And what did you think of what we had to say about it? Let us know by going to sqpn.com slash secrets or our Facebook page or send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Uh, and just want to say until next time, Shelly Kelly, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Thank you for inviting me. At Mac Barron, thank you as well. Hey, it's wonderful to be here. Check us out, CST. Uh, it's Catholic in a small town. Or buy my book, Clueless in Galilee, a first take on the gospel. <laughs> the links to both will be in the show notes on, the, on our website at sqpn.com. Thank you. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, we named the dog Indiana. Indiana.